Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back here today with all of our listeners. And what a blessing it is to be able to be with you and open up God's Word and for all of us to study together those rich teachings and truths. We are so blessed to have the Bible. God is not just a God that uh, leaves us on our own, but He has given us His Word by inspiration to guide us as to the best way to live our lives. When we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the Greek language in which the New Testament was written literally means in that particular case that all scripture is God-breathed. And the sense being that it is God's very word coming from his very mouth over his lips. Now that's the imagery that we're supposed to understand from that particular statement. All scripture is God-breathed. It is given by inspiration of God. So the writers who wrote the scriptures did not just write their good ideas or something that they were emotionally or psychologically inspired to write down, thinking that, well, this sounds good. No, no, they were guided by God to write what they wrote so that they'd get it correct, so that they would write God's very word. And so we have his wisdom, his knowledge, his instruction, his temperance to guide us as to how to live our lives. And the ultimate goal for him and for us is for us to be in heaven with him. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, God wants us to be with him for all of eternity in heaven. He created us in his image. That is, with a spiritual essence, a soul, a spirit, so that we can understand right from wrong and goodness from evil and righteousness from unrighteousness. He, nothing else that he created has that capability. Nothing has that ability. But we do because we're created in his image. He created us to have a communion, a fellowship with him. And through Jesus Christ, we can realize that fellowship, and ultimately, we can be with him for all of eternity. Well, that's just a kind of the gospel in a nutshell, sort of. Uh, now, not giving all the particulars, but the idea, the concept behind how God created us in his image, and to have that fellowship with him, and to be with him for all of eternity. He, of course, sent his son into this world to go to the cross to die thereon as the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, a one-time-for-all-time sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins so that we could be forgiven, redeemed, saved through him as we respond to that sacrifice and his call for us to come to him as our Savior in faith and repentance to surrender to him in baptism for the remission of our sins, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and to come up out of that watery grave of baptism wherein we're immersed, and that's what real baptism is, and begin to live that new life in him, that life of being reborn, being a Christian. Oh, how blessed we are to have God's word, to guide us in all of that and so much more. We're thankful that you're there and that you want to learn more from God's Word and that you join us regularly 
as regularly as you can right here and search the scriptures. Now, those of you who might be listening for the first time today, we're thankful for you. And our prayer is that you will be impressed with the fact that on Search the Scriptures, we really do teach the Bible. We try to help you understand it in depth and in detail. And yet, at the same time, get it across in such a way that it is easy for you to comprehend and that it makes sense for your daily life. Our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you. At the end of the program today, as we always do, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can, re you can request a free Bible study that we send out through the regular mail. When we say free, we mean exactly that. We'll take care of the postage even. We don't want you to send us anything for it. We want to send it to you. We want to use it to help you learn God's will better. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, Again, for free, and we'll take care of the postage. All you have to do is contact us and ask for it. Again, we'll give you that information at the end of the program today, so have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready so that you can jot that information down and then contact us. We're going to begin a new study today. We're going to look at some things that I think a whole lot of people probably largely overlook. A lot of times we think about the big and the obvious factors in life. And we might tend to kind of overlook and neglect the smaller matters as we would consider them. But still, those smaller matters can often have huge effects on our life. Now, I'm a science fiction fan. I always have been for as long as I can remember as a young boy. I always enjoyed reading about and seeing movies about men from space or creatures from space and spaceships and going to, to the moon and Mars and so on. Just always intrigued me. And so, so all kinds of things that are science fiction related, and I realize that it's fiction, but Still, so much of what we considered to be science fiction not that long ago, we've come to find to be reality today. We have sent men to the moon, and we have sent uh, space capsules you know, to other planets and so on. So a lot of what we used to think was just make-believe <laughs> has turned out to be real in our day and age, and, and a whole lot more as well. Well, I remember there was one particular movie that I really enjoyed. In fact, uh, it, it's a classic. It was made back in the 1950s. Gene Barry was the lead character, or at least one of them, the leading man. And it was entitled War of the Worlds. It was a classic, as I said. Now, there's been a remake, maybe more than one remake since then. But I've seen the remake, and I think the original is still the best. We can note and, and admit that some of the special effects are a little bit cheesy compared to what we're used to today in modern movies, but they really did a good job for that day. And if you can overlook the few places where the special effects are, are a little bit cheesy, you come away and you say, boy, that really is a good movie. I still watch it just about every time that I know it comes on. I either watch it or record it so I can watch it later. I really like that movie. It's about a, some race of, of, of 
people or beings from another planet who invade the earth. They come on spaceships and they invade the earth and they're just wiping out humanity and they're just leveling cities and it goes on and on like that. The military of all the nations of the earth are sent against them, but they do not stack up. They just cannot match their weaponry and everything they throw at them fails to do any damage. When they even send a plane that drops an atomic bomb, it does nothing, doesn't even scratch their ships that are moving across the surface of this planet and again just wiping things out, cutting a swath through our world because they have some kind of force field bubble that protects them and nothing that we can throw at them gets through. And so it is all the way through the movie. And if you didn't know it was a movie and you naturally, knowing it's a movie, you figure something's going to work out in the end. But if you didn't know that, you would, you would conclude that we're doomed. And in fact, in, in some part of the movie, one of the scientists says that the calculation has been made that at the pace they're moving and conquering the world, within seven days, they would conquer the world. There's even a note in there and a comparison and this is rather astonishing by today's movie standards, a reference to the Bible, that it took God seven days, actually six days, to create the world, and in a similar time, humanity could be wiped out and the world could be obliterated, basically, as we know it. Well, today, Hollywood, if they make references to God or the Bible or, or Christianity... It might be in a denigrating kind of way, in a ridiculing kind of way, making fun if they make any reference whatsoever. The end of the movie comes, and it looks like doom for the human race. And here are some of the spaceships going through this particular big city, and people are, are just crouching in in fear. They're hiding in church buildings and probably other places where they're hoping they can get out of the way and be overlooked and be bypassed by the destruction that is being wielded all around them. And then all of a sudden, there's just silence. And people start going out into the streets. And they see that these spaceships are crashing. And one of them, the hatch opens, and one of the alien's hands comes out, and, and you can see the pulse beating in the wrist, and then it stops. And the lead character feels the wrist, and he says, it's dead. And then the announcer, who has been kind of leading the audience through the movie making some kind of explanations, sweeping broad explanations of what has been going on throughout the movie, he comes on and he says that when the aliens came to this planet and when they drank our water and when they breathed our air, the microorganisms that we had long since become immune to slowly killed them because they were not immune to them. And so he makes the statement, and again, rather astonishing by comparison to how Hollywood deals with God in movies today. 
He gives God glory. At least he makes the effort to do so. And says that in the end, the little things that God placed on this planet in his wisdom basically saved humanity. Well, the little things, just the microorganisms that nobody could see, including the aliens, and even including humanity because they're microscopic in size. And yet we know because of our medical technology and understanding that germs and viruses, which are invisible to the naked eye, can have extreme consequences on our physical well-being. Little things, little things did in those aliens in that science fiction movie. And I appreciate you giving me some time here to and being patient with me as I kind of related that particular story. Again, I'm a science fiction fan. But it helps to illustrate the point that little things can have big effects in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 22, the Apostle Paul says to abstain from every form of the King James Version says, all appearance of evil. And when you stop and analyze that particular verse and that admonition from the Apostle Paul, you need to understand that he's not saying just don't take part in evil. He's not saying don't do this or don't do that. He's saying to stay away from, to abstain from, every form or all appearance of evil. I've told the story many times, and my father grew up in the early 1900s. And my grandfather, whom I never knew, was born in the 1860s. I came along a whole lot later in time. But I remember hearing my father say a number of times as I was just a young boy that his father had told him, never go any place for you'd be ashamed to be found dead. Now that stuck with me all of my life. I passed it on to my boys as I was raising them. My wife and I were raising them. And I was rather amazed and gratified at the same time to hear that one of my sons had even passed that on to his sister-in-law. I thought, well, that's great. The message took. <laughs> Don't be anywhere where you'd be ashamed to be found dead. That, in essence, is the principle of what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22. Abstain from every appearance, every form of evil. Not just don't take part in this. He says just stay away from it. Stay away from it. The principle, I think, is pretty similar to the alcoholic who realizes he can't go into a bar. He can't go into a grocery store and start picking up bottles of liquor and, and reading the labels. He can't be in a party where they're serving alcoholic beverages. He has to stay away from all of that. Not just not drink himself, he has to stay away from 
any place where that's going on because the temptation could be overpowering for him, abstaining from every appearance of evil. Similar with a, a person who's addicted to gambling. He doesn't need to go to the, to the racetrack where betting is going on, either horse racing or dog racing. He doesn't need to put himself into a situation where gambling is going on all around him. So a casino in Las Vegas or someplace else where they have casino gambling going on. He doesn't need to be there because he needs to abstain from even the appearance of that particular evil. Well, we may focus on the big obvious sins in regards to what we need to stay away from in order to be true and faithful to God. But if we're not careful, we'll overlook what might be considered small and incidental sins by some people. Although hopefully by the end of this study, we'll come to understand that there really are no small and incidental sins. But some people might think of them as such. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, said to not give the, play, uh, the devil any place in our lives. Now, that's similar to his admonition in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 when he said, abstain from every form of evil. But in Ephesians 4.27, he's saying, don't give the devil any place in your life. Don't give him a door that's cracked open. Don't let him have a toehold in your heart or in your life. Don't open up to him at all because when you give him a little bit of room, he's going to try to slam the door open all the way. He's going to try to just burst in or, or just force himself into your life completely as much as he can. Don't give him any place in your life. It's interesting that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13 when he was responding to the apostles' request to teach them to pray that in that model prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, he, in, in part of that, in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6, he says as part of the prayer, praying to God, Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Well, the evil one is obviously the devil. In John chapter 17, the night of Jesus' betrayal, he's praying to God. And in verse 15 of John chapter 17, he's praying specifically in this particular part of the text for the apostles. And he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. We need to be aware that the devil is real out there. He's not just a, an imagination. He's not just something that somebody conjured up to scare little kids. Oh, no. Peter describes him in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Now, we get the image of the roaring lion as being this massive, 
extremely powerful beast. And perhaps you've been to a zoo and you've come up to the lion's pavilion and you've looked at the lions maybe lying there or maybe walking around and, and a tiger would be similar. And you've looked at just how huge those animals are. Maybe you've looked down at their, what we would consider their paws and you've seen that they're enormous. They're extremely powerful. I remember seeing something of a documentary one time where a lion cub, I believe, had been raised with some dogs, and they were all friends, and they would play together, and they'd hang around together. And in this particular film, there was a scene where the two dogs were, were with the lion, and, and they were kind of slapping their paws at each other's faces, as, as dogs will do. And, and, of course, the lion grew up with them, and, but the lion was pretty big now. And the commentator in the film said, if you look closely, you'll see that the lion is pulling his punches as he's slapping at the faces of the dogs. And he went on to explain that if he did not pull his punches, if he slapped at them with all of his might, the lion was so powerful that he could have taken the heads off of those dogs. Now that's our image of a lion. But let me tell you, a lion also prowls and he's also stealthy. And when God through, through Paul says, do not give the devil place in your life, when he tells us to abstain from every form of evil, the devil can be that stealthy predator who looks for the slightest opening in our lives. And while we might say, well, well I would never murder somebody or I would never rob somebody or I would never commit adultery on my spouse or and we could think of some other big horrible sins but do you give the devil that place where you say you know but I might do something that it is not so bad oh it's sinful but it's not so bad maybe tell a little white lie or something the devil, that's the lion still there trying to get into your life. Don't give him any place. You think you're going to stay away from the great big sins, but here are some little ones. Little ones. And we'll talk about how to describe those in our next program. And they can be just as deadly as the great big ones. Our time is up for today, so... In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can receive a copy of today's program, and or you can receive that free Bible study that we've been talking about and that we always offer. Be sure to write down the information and contact us right away, and take care of uh, take advantage of this offer that can literally change your lives for eternity. We hope to hear from you right away.